Welcome back to the Dying to Ask podcast. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick. Starting this week off with an explanation on why our publishing schedule has been a little wacko here for the last couple of weeks. Two words, spring break. We have got so many people who are finally getting some time off at the station um, and maybe in your life as well and having the opportunity to go places, which is so unbelievably novel after the last couple of years. So it's been fantastic. I was able to take some time off and to finally go see some family overseas. My extended family's in Ireland. And uh, I have a 90-year-old aunt who is just a kick. Um, and I have just been desperate to see her for obvious reasons over the last couple of years. And I finally was able to get over there over my kids' spring break and bring them over to spend some quality time with her. And it was wonderful to just use a passport again. Gosh, that was great. And just to be out and about and seeing people and hearing accents and traveling and even going through customs was a joy this time and that's never fun but it really was i just so enjoyed it so we are back on track and we've got some really great episodes coming up here in the next month on the dying Dask podcast i'll tell you about that a little bit later i want to tell you about a couple of great reviews that have come in here in the last couple of weeks including this one from Folsom friend saying um always good subjects yours is easy to listen to having watched her on tv for years the podcast show a dimension to her personality I never saw before. (laughs) I hope that's good. Nice to see this more down-to-earth side of her. Um, I believe down-to-earth is a synonym for unfiltered friend, (laughs) fulsome friend, but thank you. Those are very kind words. And then another one that came in from somebody uh, called Stockton Rocket. Enjoy the podcast. I realize I overload on topics of interest. So do I. Listening to your podcast, I get out of my comfort zone and I've enjoyed your variety of topics and guests. The marathoner turned aerial skier ended up being really cool. I totally agree. And I appreciate that. Um, I know there are lots of shows. If you have a narrow interest, there's a podcast for you. Let's be honest. Those are everywhere. This show is purposely a little bit more broad with the idea that we're still talking about people who come up with great ideas and then execute on them. Because let's be honest, we can all like think about doing something, but how many people think about things for years? I know I have. I have a couple of projects that I'm literally going on 10 years of thinking about. And people who actually execute and do things to me are utterly fascinating. And there's always something to learn from those people. So I appreciate that you enjoy the range of people that we bring on the show. Um, and, and hopefully that will continue to, to be something that is helpful to you. It certainly is to me. So today, got a great guest on today um, who I thought I was going to take in one direction And then the conversation just evolved into something else, and I loved where it went. She is really a unique person whose take on something that we will all go through at some point in our lives, if you haven't already, um, is so helpful. So um, this is a good one today. Her name is Maura Horton, and today in the show, we're talking about what is your purpose in life. And sometimes you feel really passionate, and you know your purpose. Like I knew personally early on, that being a journalist and specifically being a television journalist was something I was passionate about. That was the purpose that I felt, that I saw for myself, and that was what I pursued from a very young age. I mean, I had no plan B, so thank goodness this all turned out for me. Um, But sometimes life itself sets you down a path. It, It almost decides your purpose for you. And Maura Horton's life trajectory changed when her husband, a college football coach, Don Horton, was diagnosed with Parkinson's. He was young, too, just in his 40s when this happened. And Maura watched Don struggle to do really basic things, like the most basic of things, like buttoning his shirt, 
became very challenging and it robbed him of his mobility, robbed him of his independence, and it robbed him of his dignity. And for a football coach, I mean, you know what a football coach is like. It was crushing. That independence, that loss of independence was just crushing, not only for him, but for her as well. So she looked for very basic solutions to help with basic problems like, for example, buttoning up his shirt. And she looked for clothing that might have snaps on it that he could handle a little bit easier. He could do it on his own. And the weird thing was she couldn't really find it. She couldn't find any. And so she decided to invent it. And not only did she invent it, she patented a magnetic closure system to make dressing easier for people who have limited mobility. And limited mobility comes along for people who either get older or maybe have something like Parkinson's, but it could also be like my friend Edie, who just recently broke her shoulder in four places. It could be somebody like that. I mean, everybody has an injury at some point. And Moore created something that can help all of us, regardless of what we've got going on. The company is called MagnaReady, and it specializes in what's now become known as adaptive fashion. And it fills this gap whose importance most of us don't know until we have the illness or the injury that impacts our ability to do something as basic as just getting dressed. The thing about this line of clothing is that it's cool. Because usually when you like make something adaptable, it loses a little bit of the sophistication. Like we kind of dumb down the chicness to just get it done. And she didn't want that because Don was a sharp guy. He was a sharp dresser and she wanted to make sure that what she came up with would make him feel his best. So the clothing line is sophisticated, it is trendy, and the very cool thing, this is how you know it works. It's become popular with people who don't technically need the help, and that's awesome. And amazingly, this is where it got good. Maura Horton did all of this with no prior experience in fashion or entrepreneurship, like not one day, and she figured out how to do it. And she figured out how to do it because she loved her husband that much. Now, Maura Horton's husband did pass away, and it happened while the company was really becoming this huge success. And she's gone on to turn MagnaReady into this amazing, amazing company. And in the process, she's gone on to raise their daughters. And she's also figured out how to move forward through grief. And she had to do that at a very young age. And that was where the podcast gets really interesting. So on this time to ask how Maura was able to start this company with zero experience in the fashion world, how you can recognize that something is becoming your life's purpose. And we'll get into grief, Maura's advice on how to overcome grief and not let it overcome you. Maura Horton is my guest on this week's Dying to Ask. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all. Then came coronavirus, a pandemic, anchoring in my living room, homeschooling my kids, and all the things that come with COVID, including a vaccine. It was supposed to get us all back on track of living our best Instagrammable lives. Best lives-ish. The reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post-pandemic. A lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety. Is that just what life is like now? Or are there ways we can get back to living in the now? And this season of the Dying Desk podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again.
Maura, thanks so much for joining on the Dying Desk podcast. No, thanks for having me. Such a great, important topic to speak on. Well, you know, and it's funny, um, I had, I got this email today explaining that you were available and I'm like, oh my gosh, absolutely. And so literally like I got the offer about 90 minutes ago and here we are. So I'll apologize in advance. Typically I'm super, super prepared. So this is a little bit of a crash course for me, but um, bear with me because I'm really excited to hear about your journey and, and the things that you have done with your company. Yeah, no, of course. Happy to share. Tell people a little bit about what you created. Yeah, sure. So I created clothing for people with disabilities, limited mobility, or dexterity. It came from a life experience. My husband at the age of 48 was diagnosed with early onset Parkinson's disease. And one of the side effects of Parkinson's is limited mobility and dexterity. Their brain depends on dopamine and the dopamine doesn't always fire to help the muscles move and your body to do what it requests. And my husband was diagnosed for about three years and we had kept it really private, to be honest with you. We just kept it within our family. My husband had shared it with his boss. He by trade. Which is interesting because your husband, we should, we should really explain what your husband did because your husband was a public figure. He was. He was by trade a career college football coach at the highest level. He coached uh, the offensive line. And at the time of his diagnosis, he was at Boston College and they're known as O-Line University. So yeah, he was definitely at the, at the pinnacle of his career. And um, you knew you knew him at, you know, peak fitness. Um, how did how would you describe what he was like before the diagnosis came in? Well, it's funny. Don was the same before and after the diagnosis. Um, he worked out seven days a week for sure. He was in tip top shape. He had always been an athlete and then decided that he knew career college football coaching was what he wanted to do. And uh, he always took care of his body. He always found time to work out and be super active. It was really a, a core part of his life. So um, yeah, he loved to work out. I mean, and college football coaches, you're, you're in command. <laughs> in control of all things, right? Definitely. So it must have been very challenging, especially with a, a diagnosis like Parkinson's, to not have the same level of control over some really basic things that most of us take for granted. Yeah, definitely. He was a big guy. He was six foot four, six foot five, I guess, really. And then he started shrinking, as some of us do. Um, <laughs> And he had, he had more room to grow or to go. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, and he, yeah, he uh, enjoyed a strong presence, both in personal life and on the field. And, you know, he led by example. He had played the offensive line and tight ends his, his entire life, um, college life. And then he coached that position. So it's the quiet position, the offensive line, uh, the guys up front that don't get a lot of credit that, you know, block for the quarterback. Um, but they definitely maintain a strong, quiet, quiet presence. And he led by example. And so when he started coming home and telling you that certain things were starting to get difficult, it must've been very difficult to hear as a wife. You know, he didn't really talk about it much um, because in his career, it's a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know a lot of what he was feeling until he said he was gonna go see a neurologist. He thought he had had a pinched nerve he worked out every day and he was noticing when he was bench press pressing that he wasn't able to extend his right arm as much as his left arm. And so that really bothered him. 
And he didn't really share a lot with me in the beginning because again, it was a sign of weakness. And, and the truth be told, it, it took a while for him to start opening up about some of the things that he would struggle with or, or find his challenges. So, you know, men are different than women where we right. like to share and have a sense of community build around us. Men don't really necessarily do that. And, and he wasn't rare in that. He just, he just kept it pretty quiet, to be honest. Right. It's interesting. Um, you're right. Men and women are very different. However, in his football world, he did have support from even his players. And he came home and told you a story once about something that happened in the locker room that it sounds like was a real light bulb moment for you. Yeah, definitely. He was, I could still remember the game. I was at North Carolina State playing Maryland and it was a night game and uh, they lost the game, unfortunately. And he came home and he told me he had had a hard day. I thought it was because they had lost the game. And I started in as most coaches' wives do, you know, why why did this play? Why, why was that play called? Why was this play called? And he said, no, Mara, I had a hard day. And so it was one of those ways when he said it that I knew I had to listen and I said what happened and he said he was um, trying to get dressed and button the buttons on his shirt uh, they generally get showers after the game and, and redress before they catch a team playing and he wasn't able to do it and he was one of the last people in the locker room one of the other last people in the locker room was Russell Wilson who now plays for the Denver Broncos who saw him struggling in mm -hmm. silence he just went over and helped him get dressed. And at mm. that moment, Don was was completely humiliated, to be honest with you. It's not something that a coach asks a player to do. And, and for Don, he didn't ask Russell to do it. He just saw that he had a need and he went over and helped him get dressed. Yeah. And so when Don told me the story, as all wives generally do, we jump into action. You know, how can I solve this problem? I'm definitely a, a puzzle solver and uh, went online. And what I saw was limited options for people with limited mobility or dexterity or disability to get dressed. And the truth was it opened my eyes to a, a whole new world. You know, Don was um, a classic dresser, a Brooks Brothers kind of guy. And and what I was seeing that was available was not anything close to that. So I went to work and started to create uh, a clothing line for people that have the same needs. And how difficult was that? I mean, how did you even know where to start with something like that? Yeah, you know, it was a long journey. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would love to say entrepreneurship is easy, but it's not. It's really no, it's hard. awful. <laughs> it's awful until it's not. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, you know, I had a lot of um, sleepless nights because, you know, manufacturing goods. I, I was raising two children at the same time and because he was busy with his career and uh, manufacturing is generally done overseas. And so I would be a mom all day and be on the phone all night uh, with overseas manufacturers, trying to find the right manufacturer, trying to find the right solutions uh, for what I was trying to create. So it, there was many challenges along the way. I started in about 2013. Uh, I secured my patents then and, and I launched with one shirt and two colors mm -hmm. and within two months had sold out. So I knew wow. I had proof of concept. And so then I just kept going. But what really kept me going was through this whole process, 
I was reading more and more stories through research online about how many people really have the same challenge or issue. You know, Parkinson's affects about 1 million people in the United States, but arthritis is 52 million and neuropathy and ALS, so strokes, wounded warriors. So I would read firsthand stories that people would put online about what their loved ones were going through. Uh, and it just propelled me to keep going, to be honest with you. Isn't it interesting how many products come out of um, the absolute surprise that a creator has that it just doesn't exist. And you don't know that until somebody in your life needs something. Right. It's necessity is the mother of invention, right? We definitely can say that it's often created because of that raw moment or a core where you understand a human right that should, shouldn't be taken for granted. And so that's why so many products are created. It, it's, it's not always out of the fun, whimsical nature of, oh, this would be a really great, cool product. Mm -hmm. it, it's really out of core, core hard moments in people's lives. The patent that you got is for technology. It's basically like magnets, but on the front of the shirt, it still looks like that sharp shirt that your husband liked wearing. Um, what was, what, what really obviously worked with magnets, but what were the challenges of doing that kind of magnetized closure for clothing? Yeah, sure. So I always say as adaptive designers, cause it's its own new category, right? Um, we have to create product that no one would know is adapted on the inside, right. right? So on the outside, on the external, it looks just like any other shirt. Um, so some of the challenges we're creating were the magnets itself. You know, I, I quickly found some magnets. I thought, oh, this is great. I dropped them into one of his shirts. It lined up perfectly. He put it on. He was amazed. And then and he wore it to work. He didn't feel like it was heavy in any way. He thought, oh, this is great. And then I threw it in the wash and it corroded. Um, <laughs> so he had big stains on his fish, the front of his shirt. And he said, this was great, but we, you've got to figure it out further. So, um, so I had to figure out a, an application that could be put on the magnet so that it doesn't corrode and that we can wash it because we all do need to wash our clothing. Yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> Even the coach, especially the coach, actually. Um, so, so yeah, so that took some time and, and then, you know, magnets have safety risks. So I wanted to make sure they were sewn in the correct way. So they could never become dislodged for a, a child to ever consume or, you know, get a hold of. So there was a lot of steps in the process. Um, and I've in some ways become an engineer in, pat in patent law and magnetic Gauss ratings. And then not that that excites wow. me. You must be a lot of fun at a cocktail party. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it's, it, was, um, it was definitely something that was needed. I think the last innovations for technologies in button closures was from the fifties, to be honest with you. And that was Velcro and snap. So hmm. this was something new. And I, I really couldn't believe that it hadn't, something hadn't been created before. I kind of can't either. And I don't mean that to sound disrespectful no, to no. what you've done. Isn't it kind of amazing that nobody had thought of this before you? 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, now that this whole new adaptive world of design has popped up, it's a really core group of uh, designers out there. And we're all amazed that products that are now being offered haven't ever been thought of. Uh, you know, even Procter & Gamble recently launched some new products about uh, shampoo bottles. You know, if you have no vision, no vision or low vision, how do you know the difference between shampoo and conditioner? And so, you know, they're putting braille codes now on bottles and different, just so many different products that people are now starting to design for. And it's really the universality of the design that is, is really broadening and including so many more people, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion is so important. Uh, mm -hmm. for many reasons. And that includes the disability lens as well. And so products and services um, are under those categories. And also, you know, it, it feels like um, just that it, it is, it's so important to have these things that are readily available when needs pop up because nobody plans on getting sick. Nobody plans on needing any of this stuff. But the reality is that when the emergency is there, you don't have time to go and start a company like you did. Absolutely. And I remember when Don had difficulty tying his shoes, right? And the only options I could see and find were these really therapeutic looking Velcro chunky tennis shoes. And here was a guy that had always worn, you know, Nike, Adidas or Reeboks, and they were running or, you know, athletic style shoes. And he was being relegated to wearing something that just yeah. wasn't in his personality or style. And so, yeah, we should have options for everyone for sure. Well, and you, and you threw out the phrase, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. The other phrase that comes to mind is, you know, clothing makes the man. And the reality is the way you dress and even the shoes you put on, they make you feel a certain kind of way. They definitely, definitely do. And we, you know, if you're not feeling good because of an ailment or a disease, you still want to be able to feel like who you were at your core at some, at, at any point in time. And so I saw that was starting to take, be taken away from him. And that was just unacceptable. How big a company has this become? brag on yourself. I don't think you're like that, but I want you to brag about Magna Ready. Um, yeah, I'm definitely not that. Um, <laughs> I could tell instantly, but seriously, like put on your big girl pants, pretend like you're before a board of investors. How big um, a deal is this? Yeah, it's, it's, we've, we've done well being the original in the field, right? Um, I sold the company at the, the close of 2019. I was acquired, which was success for me, because that was the end goal. I lost my husband um, about four years ago and I was really at a crossroads at that point. Do I sell my company? Do I just fold the doors? Uh, you know, I, we have two daughters and we wanted his legacy to live on. And so as painful as it was to go through grief at that moment um, and time for our family, it gave us a sense of focus and a sense of purpose. And selling the company has just helped propel that. So we are, you know, in many retailers, we are launched on QVC. So we, we, we are becoming more readily available and that's really the success for me. Yeah. May I switch gears and go a little personal with you about kind of what your last few years have been like and kind of going on and, and moving into this new phase in your life? Yeah, sure. 
Okay. I, you know, I, I'm curious to know you were so young going through this. I mean, your entire family, young family going through this experience. What would you say for people who find themselves in a situation like this? What for you has been the key to being able to push forward, um, take care of your family, also meet these, these needs for all these other people through the company? How have you kept going through all of this? That's a great question. Some days I'm actually, I'm being totally honest. I'm not sure. Um, it's not in my nature to ever fold. And my children were my primary focus, even over my company. And so we just kept going. Um, and so when people say, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, as cliche as it sounds, it is a starting point. I always wanted to live a life where my husband was proud of me, right? I was always proud of him. We, I had a rare time where I could always see him run out on the field on a Saturday and watch him do what he loved. Not a lot of spouses get to see their spouse do what they love on a daily, you know, a daily or weekly basis. And I always stood out there and was captivated by what he had accomplished in life. And so I had wanted him to feel the same way, even if he, his presence on earth wasn't here. And so we just kept going and my girls were all in um, and they made lots of sacrifices as well of me not necessarily always being readily available, them understanding and learning more. I think the real success too is them when I see my daughters watch other people and, and have such great compassion and empathy for maybe something they don't know that someone's going through, but they can see that they're having a hard time. Those are really important things because you don't feel alone. That's why I'm saying that. It's because I don't think they ever felt alone and we had a great support system. I have a great family and we have great people around us, but nothing replaces your dad or your loved one. Um, and I guess we've been trying to replace that by just keeping the company going for him. Um, so I don't know, that's a great question. I haven't, I haven't reflected on that in a while, so. Yeah, um, well, and, and probably as, as time goes on, your answer will change, I would think. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely, it, it will change. I think that first year you're in such a fog and they talk about that fog all the time. I felt like I was really present though um, for my girls, but I wasn't necessarily present for me. So mm -hmm. some, of the, some of the time has allowed me to be a little bit more present for myself. Yeah, for, for people who, who hear this and, and feel inspired to try to meet a need for something that might better the lives of others like you did, what would be your advice to them if they're embarking on something like that? Mm, great thing. There's a couple of things from a business perspective side, I would say work on your SEO, ASAP, because that is the key to, to helping make your company flourish in today's environment. Okay, um, break that break that down for those of us. <laughs> so <laughs> your search engine, you know, being, able, being able to find your company and what you do is so important on the World Wide Web and you can get lost in, in the shuffle. And so working on that from inception to your launch is so important and whether you're doing it yourself or you're hiring experts, but uh, 
working on your brand positioning, where you're going to be, who you're serving and uh, making sure the message gets out there. Um, on a personal level, I think it takes somebody that just has, doesn't really accept no very often. Um, no right now is okay, but no, not, not no forever, right? And so it's funny coming full circle often, I'm seven years going back and talking to companies that I talked to seven years ago and they're like, I had, yes, I remember you and I knew it was important and it just wasn't the right time then, but you know, we'd like to jump into this now. And so, you know, don't burn bridges, be an open listener, keep great relationships going and, uh, you know, keep your nose down and only work on what is driving you right now. And um, yeah, and surround yourself with great people. What's next? A great question. You know, I hope to continue to help many companies broaden their reach, whether it's through MagnaReady or just through disability, a disability lens alone. I think it's the better legacy, right? I've launched a company, I, I created a product, I sold it, but now I want to help a greater, a greater group if I am able to by, you know, helping companies learn, jump into the space without being trepidatious and uh, finding success through, through other companies, uh, helping many other people. Maura, thank you very much. It's been a great chatting with you and learning about the things that you've accomplished through Magna well, Ready. Thanks. Thanks for the time, for sure. Of course. Check out Magna Ready's website to see not only the line of clothes available online right now, but also a list of retailers across the country where you can go and check out the stuff in person before you buy. Kohl's is one of the larger retailers that I remember seeing listed on the website. Next week, we continue talking about entrepreneurs in the fashion world with Pallavi Gola. She is the founder of Lark Adventure Wear. It's active wear for kids, and Pallavi went from working in the wine industry, which sounds like a dream, to working in active wear for the littles. It is a great backstory in how she ended up there. And there's some awesome lessons for anybody who's ever thought about starting a business. Some cautionary things from Paula V who will tell you about the unusual hoops she jumped through and how creative she had to get to really make her mark in an industry that was very untapped ironically. Thanks for listening to this week's Dying to Ask podcast. If you have any suggestions for guests or any thoughts on the show, don't forget you can always message me on Instagram. That's my favorite place. Don't really care for the Facebook, but uh, Instagram is really the best to reach out. And you can find me on Instagram at runreadsip. You can also, if you want to make a huge impression with me, <laughs> leave a rating or review wherever you happen to be listening to the podcast right now. And if you could take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your social media channels to help grow the show, I would love it. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. We'll see you next week on the Dying Desk Podcast.